Just keep grinding, all right? We're getting better each and every day. Running left to the goal line, fighting his way in as the Texans grab the lead. Let's go to work, baby. Takes the gift, has time, throws to the end zone, caught, and it's a touchdown. Love the energy. Wrapped up for a loss for the TFL inside the 10. All right, let's do it. Texans have the ball on the pick. That's what we're talking about. Now it's Texans All Access. Oh, yes, it is. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you as back to it on Sunday. The Houston Texans are back on the road, back from the bye, playing the Carolina Panthers. Noon kick. It's live right here. Can't wait. And since it's Thursday, you know what that means, the general. John McClain joins us. General, weird feeling in that I haven't felt like this in a long time. The Texans are playing a game in which – I hate to say it like this, but I'm kind of speaking on the outside looking in. They are expected to win, and that's just a weird feeling considering everything they've been through for the past three years. But here they are taking on 0-6 Carolina, and you know D'Amico will have them ready, not buying into the noise. But your thoughts as we head into this matchup. Good evening. Good evening, Mark. I think back to the last time they were favored on the road in Chicago in 2020 and just got obliterated. I don't think that D'Amico and his coaches will let him come out with that kind of attitude. It's a different team. It's a different mindset on both sides of the ball. I think the players, they're, they're eager to go against – defensive players are eager to go against Bryce Young. They want to compare hit their guy to, hit to the Panthers guy. And I think everybody's fired up about it. First time in NFL history, first three picks in the draft and played in the same game. So it's big. Uh, I'm fired up about seeing Stroud and Young. But it's amazing to me the improvements the Texans have made in run defense and points a game. They're giving, they're eighth in the NFL in points allowed, 18.8. That is a significant improvement. My goodness, the improvement against the run is substantial. And they're favored by three. And I, I picked them to win on our Utopia football podcast today by three. Sean Pendergast picked Texas to blow them out. I think Sean picked 31-17. They're certainly capable. Mm. We know this. They would be 4-0 in the last four games if they could have made one stop in Atlanta. Well, Sean was also Team Bryce Young all the way, so um, we know how that has has worked (laughs) out. Uh, I, I kid. I kid. Everybody knows I love Sean. General, if I tell you the Texans do this one thing on Sunday. And it can't be something obvious like, okay, score more points than the Panthers. I get that. But this one thing has to happen for the Texans to win this game on Sunday against the Panthers. What is that one thing? Well, first of all, I would think it would be C.J. Stroud has to stay healthy and stay in the game because as long as he's in, they've got a chance, which is just a remarkable thing to say about a rookie quarterback. And I don't care who it is. They didn't say that about Peyton Manning when in 1998. Didn't say it about John Elway in 1983. I was covering those guys, and they got off to slow starts. Elway didn't even start right away. So I would say that. One thing that I look to be a big difference, and I asked Bobby Sloak about this today, they've had two weeks to get ready to run the ball the way Sloak wants. The Panthers are 31st in run defense. I believe they're going to have their best day running the football. And as he called it, running back by committee, 
even though Damian Pierce is the featured back. I think they will make a concerted effort to do it. Having the offensive line in is some is has some stability with the same starters for three games in a row. I look for them to run the ball the way Slowick expected when he put in his system. All right, along those lines, General, does it matter who starts? Do you think that Singletary might be out there first? And, again, does it matter? Is it about who finishes or who has the hot hand or hot legs or however you want to word it as far as which back is going to get the bulk of the carries? I I don't think for an instant that anybody would start with Damian Pierce. You know, Singletary's a backup. He had the most yards. But one of the reasons I think they're going to run the ball better is I think Pierce is going to get it. He's going to get the zone scheme and the one cut and go and, and and instinctively finding the hole. So many backs have been able to do that, going back to when Mike Shanahan had a 1,000-yard rusher every year that came out of nowhere and because he knew they fit the system. And uh, I think that we'll see Damian Pierce have his best game since last season. General, if Robert Woods isn't able to go – A, what are the Texans missing out if he's unable to go? B, how do you think the Texans go about replacing Woods and the targets and catches he might get? Woods has been best at third down. You know, when you need eight yards, he gets eight yards, maybe nine. You need ten, he gets ten. And he's smart. And he he reads coverage as well. He adjusts to those coverage as well. And C.J. Stroud has a lot of confidence in him on third down. But having Tank Dell back is big, not just for the passing game, but for a couple of runs a game of reverses. They did that with Xavier Hutchinson. He looked pretty darn good when he got the opportunity. Noah Brown had a 31-yard catch. So they have other options at receiver. I think early in the season we might have gone, oh, no, what are they going to do? But the fact is the receivers have really stepped up and I think Ben McDaniels, who coaches them, deserves a lot of credit, as does Bobby Sloick because of his play calls. But I think somebody else will step up on third down. In the possible overreaction to a Thursday injury report department, what about Titus Howard showing up today with a knee and he was limited he was not listed with a knee yesterday, but the knee popped up today and he got downgraded to limited. So I don't know what that means heading into tomorrow. Again, I don't want to overreact here, but it could be a here we go again type of situation where they have to do something at left guard. I don't think you're overreacting because with all the injuries they've had in the offensive line, and I tell you this, I'm at a point where I don't care who they lose. They, the offensive line coached by. <laughs> Chris Strausser, they have done a fabulous job. And I think, you know, they played without Titus and Laramie Tunsil. I think Josh Jones would probably play left guard. He started there. But, man, and Bobby Slug, we were talking today about having the line intact, and this was after practice. So I'm going to guess Titus is going to be in there. General, I always love these kind of questions, so I'm curious to see how you're gonna how you'll handle this one. Eleven games are left in the season, and hopefully there's more after that. But we know that six games obviously doth not make a season. But we've seen some players make plays. We've seen some guys not. So over the last eleven games, who would you say is a player that you'll keep your eyes on 
that you think will have maybe a better final 11 games than the start of the season, maybe a guy we need to watch, maybe a guy we're not paying attention to over the last 11 games. Who do you think that is for you? We're watching him and we're paying attention to him, but I expect Will Anderson, who has gotten good pressure but only one sack. Will has to start sealing the deal, and I think we're going to see him do that, and I think it'll be with Bryce Young. Uh, if uh, I was making a prop bet on one sack uh, for him, I would bet on him. It's just he just keeps coming so close. He's learning how to deal with double teams, with peel offs, with uh, with chips. He's learning that, and uh, and he's just such a good, talented player who works hard, who has that physical mentality that D'Amico Ryan's demands. That's a guy who I think is going to take off and start to get a lot of well-deserved recognition around the country. General, it's very early in the Frank Reich era in Carolina, but when you look at what happened early on with Indianapolis last year, what's happening early on with the Carolina Panthers this year, I'm not going to blame all of that on him because I think it's two very different situations, but he has assigned Thomas Brown play-calling duties now, ownership not very popular right now in Carolina yet to have a winning season with the franchise very impatient but what do you think of where they're at right now with the Panthers and where they could be going will Thomas Brown make a difference Bryce Young wake up they win games down the stretch or are they in for a long haul of this kind of performance you will never convince me that Frank Reich a veteran play caller former quarterback who was considered a good coach and play caller till Andrew Luck retired, that he gave up that responsibility on his own. Speculation is David Tepper told him to do it. Speculation is David Tepper wanted Bryce Young. They asked Frank Reich like he's going to say, yeah, we wanted C.J. Stroud. Of course he said Bryce <laughs> Young. Now, we're seeing a first-time offensive coordinator and first-time play caller do really well in Bobby Slowick. Thomas Brown came from the Rams, from the Sean McVay School of Offense, as Bobby Sloan came from the Kyle Shanahan School of Offense. So it's going to be fun watching Brown. Will we, will, we, will we witness a noticeable difference? Will people in Carolina go, oh, wow, that's what they should have been doing all season? Or will Bryce Young still have problems because he has trouble up front? He doesn't have good receivers. And they traded dearly to get him. There doesn't matter how bad they are. They don't have their number one pick. You know, Chicago wants them to be terrible. But I think we're in for more of the same just because of their talent level. And I can't believe at the start of the season, their philosophy of hiring a veteran head coach brought in Jim Caldwell, Josh McCown. They brought in a lot of people who were older to help with the transition. While the Texans, they even though they talked to Cliff Kingsbury and Gary Kubiak, they went with Bobby Slowick, you know, first-time head coach with two years coordinator, first-time offensive coordinator with no experience as a play caller, and it's working great right now. And Bobby's learning every game. And, uh, and so uh, the Carolina people, that's going to interest them the most. What is the difference, if any, with Thomas Brown calling the plays? General, please make sense of the Deshaun Watson situation in Cleveland. <laughs> He's got a shoulder issue, and the problem is P.J. Walker has been terrible, 
and they still won two games. There's a chance we could be seeing C.J. Walker versus the Texans when they come in here because, you know, Deshaun could need a lot of R&R. He could need surgery. Nobody knows. And he met with the media today, and they even brought up, did he want to play? And he got defensive because people are thinking, well, you got 230 mil guaranteed. Why go out there and bust your butt when your shoulder's killing you? Well, the problem for him, of course, he can't throw the football the way he used to. He tried last week. It didn't work. They still won a game, what, 39-38? So uh, people are wondering, are they going to trade for a quarterback? Will they sign a veteran? I'm kind of surprised they haven't signed Colt McCoy. But uh, right now they're riding with P.J. Walker, and uh, I think that wouldn't be a bad thing, although Texans need them to lose as many as they can. But they've just kind of got a miss. a mistake going right now. General Mike Vrabel went into the Patriots Hall of Fame last weekend, and it was just kind of weird seeing him in the building in Robert Kraft's box during the game. I guess they must have honored them during the game. I was watching Red Zone, so I didn't see all these details till later. That was just odd to me. I don't know if you have a comment on that, but let's comment on the Tennessee Titans who traded Kevin Byard, which I thought was a little bit of a surprise. Are we going to see more wheeling and dealing from the Nashville franchise and thoughts on them taking on the four and three Falcons on Sunday? I do two shows a week in Nashville. One of them asked me, they said the same thing. It was weird to see them up there. I said, if they were four and two instead of two and four, would anybody think that? Of course they wouldn't think that. And you 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 put people into the Hall of Fame during the season during a game, and they waited until the Titans had a bye. I thought Vrabel looked pretty stiffy in that red jacket. Now, if all of a sudden they try to hire him, then Amy Adams Strug's going to go whoa 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 whoa. They were tampering like Jack Easterby. So uh, Amy Adams Strunk loves Mike Vrabel. He's not going to get fired. They don't have a lot of talent. Kevin Byard, I checked, last year he didn't play nearly as well as he had been when he'd been one of the best safeties in the league, and he's really struggling this year after they asked him to take a pay cut. So they got two picks and a young safety, and then he gets to go revitalize his career with a 6-1 and one team. So it's good for him. He's 30. He would have been gone anyway after the season. So I think it's one of those deals could be both, could be good for both depending on how they use those picks and how Terrell Edmonds does with his change of scenery. General, I saw it today, and of course DeAndre Hopkins refuted it, but Hop apparently was supposed to do a signing and sign some Titans gear, but he postponed it, according to Paul Kaharski, because the trade deadline is coming up. Hop said later, I don't know what this place is, but it's cool. Uh, I'll talk to you later. So anyways, it sounds like Hop had a problem with Kaharski's report. Either way, do you think – A, there is a fire sale about to happen with the Titans, and B, if the Titans end up losing, does it move that fire sale that much closer to happening? No, I don't think they'll have a fire sale. uh, How stupid would it be to play a young quarterback who you need to see for a lot of the rest of the season, in this case Will Levis, who they traded up to get in the second round, and you you trade Derrick Henry, you trade DeAndre Hopkins, no, they need to keep weapons around him because he needs all the help he can get. He's going to get beat up enough as it is because they redid their offensive line, and it's awful. The Texans have redone their offensive line four or five times, 
and they're still playing really well and winning with a rookie quarterback. So that offensive staff up there has got problems, and what Will Levis is going to get a chance to play now. And by the time the Texans play the Titans twice in December, Levis could be their starting quarterback, and that would be fun if Deshaun – I mean, sorry, C.J. Stroud defeated Bryce Young, and then he defeated uh, Will Levis after Anthony Richardson beat them. I'm a temporary member of the unofficial Saints fan club for this weekend only as they take on the Indianapolis Colts on the road. And I think the Saints are having some major issues. This is hardly breaking news. But the Colts aren't exactly happy-go-lucky right now after losing to the Browns at home in a game they would have, could have, should have had. What do you think of that one? And how long does Dennis Allen last in New Orleans? Dennis Allen was 4-12 and in his two seasons with the Raiders and got fired. I was kind of surprised when he was elevated to be the head coach there. And um, they got problems with Derek Carr. I've never seen Derek Carr chewing out players before. Never seen him with histrionics toward players who ran bad routes. You never heard that about him either. So it's not going well there. The division is still winnable. You know, the Titans, Mike Brabel's a good coach. They might fool around and beat the Falcons. Falcons just beat the Buccaneers. That game's going to be the fastest in the NFL this season because Arthur Smith and Mike Vrabel play the same style, run, run, and run some more. And uh, But uh, the Saints, that division is still winnable by anybody but the Panthers. General, the trade deadline is going to happen on Tuesday, and we won't have a chance. I guess we'll talk to you on Monday morning, but we'll be reacting to the Panthers' uh, result against the Texans. So, I'll ask you this now. Trade deadline coming up. Is it going to be um, – oh, boy, there's something I really want to say, but I don't think I could say it on radio. Is it going to be exciting or is it going to be a complete <laughs> dud? I think it's not going to be a dud. I, I wouldn't surprise me if Nick Serio and, and D'Amico Ryans might want, hey, this, this, this defensive lineman is available. His contract's up. What about, you know, you give a six-round pick for him, get a seven in return, I could see them doing something in which we go, we don't go, wow, that's a great move. We just go, well, I hope that works. General, uh, Roger Goodell comes up to you and says, listen, should we push that trade deadline back maybe even more? I know it was uh, previously, maybe a couple of weeks earlier, but let's push it back to maybe week 10, week 11, get the majority of the season going, and then you can have some real excitement at the trade deadline with teams that know they're out of it and they're looking to make some changes. What would you do if Goodell asked you? Kind of like the baseball deadline, which is the end of August when everybody's getting ready for their September run. That's why it's so exciting. It took forever for coaches and general managers to get it moved back from where it used to be the first Tuesday in October. It wouldn't bother me if they moved it back another couple of weeks because so many teams are now in playoff contention. You'd see more movement from with them trying to take the ones that were out of it and get some players. It would definitely be more exciting. The thing is, NFL never does anything like they make money out of it, and I don't see how they're going to make more money out of that, but it sure would make it more fun. General, in a little bit, right here on Sports Radio 610, you'll hear Bucks versus Bills. Bucks coming off a loss to the Falcons at home. The Bills lost at Gillette, which they've done a lot over the last couple of decades. 
Uh, Buffalo's favored in this one. You give the Bucks a shot at all, they won't have Vita Vea playing tonight for the Bucks, which I'd love to see him take another week off next week against the Texans. But what are your <laughs> thoughts about the Bills and Bucks? Which team bounces back in a better way tonight? Bills come back with a vengeance. They were embarrassed last week. They're going to take it out on the Buccaneers, beat them up. I think the Texans are going to beat the Panthers, and I think they're going to beat the Buccaneers, and they're going to be 5-3. and three. Everybody will be talking about D'Amico Ryans as coach of the year and Nick Casario as executive of the year. General, Country Club Hills is the latest Chicago suburb to weigh in on a possible stadium location as the Bears have to get out of Soldier Field. It's just a political... Uh, hot potato political football i don't know something really tough politically for them in the city that they reside in because they just can't get stuff done the way the stadium is constructed where it's constructed all the politics involved i don't even know all the details but i know it's tough so country club hills the Bears cannot possibly play in a place called Country Club Hills. It's the Chicago Bears. They can't play where Thurston Howell the Third plays golf. They can't do that. You have to go to a differently named city. Thoughts? How many people do you think know who the hell Thurston Howell the Third is that are listening <laughs> to this show? You probably would tell them it's Gilligan's Island. And if they don't know Gilligan's Island, Google it. Uh, I think this, they bought all that land in the other suburb. You know, they purchased the land themselves to build their stadium and have total control. So I'd be shocked if they're going to try to go somewhere else, no matter what's offered, including we'll change the name of our city to make it more Bears-like. General, it ended Game 7. Rangers uh, look good, actually, in Game 6 and 7. So, I know you've covered the Astros, and you've been covering them. Been a big fan for a long time. When Game 7 is over, final out is recorded, what are your thoughts about the 2023 Astros and Dusty Baker retires today? Your thoughts about all that went down the last probably five to seven days for the Astros? It was a fun season going to the ALCS for seventh consecutive season record in AL. They've got enough talent to do it again next year and tie the Braves for the most in history. I go back to when uh, I was at spring at spring training and, and everybody was so excited. What is mystifying is how utterly pathetic they were at home. And I thought, sure, the way they beat up the Rangers at Minute Maid Park, they'd win one of those last two and go to another World Series. That is great managing by Bruce Bochy. Wouldn't let that team get down no matter how many times that they were stepped on by the Astros. And and Dusty Baker, who could have envisioned them doing as well when they hired him in 2020 to help get the stench off the organization? I hope he's happy. Can't wait to see who they hire, whether they preserve continuity with bench coach Joe Espada, bring in an old Astro like Brad Osmus or Dana Brown, the GM, recommend somebody from Atlanta or Toronto that he worked with so it's going to be exciting. First guy I would have called already, Craig Council of the Brewers. He's he's one of the best managers in baseball. He hasn't signed a new contract. Every move made up there, it has money written all over it. He can go join Stearns, his former boss and a former Astro employee with the Mets. And uh, you know Steve Cohen will spend any amount of money. But I would I would call him and I Jim Crane or Dana Brown. I'd say just tell us what it just tell us how much it takes. One thing they can't do to me is go 
with a first-timer because you have a veteran team and, and a team that expects to win and compete for another World Series. They can, that can be very intimidating. Even A.J. Hinch's name has been thrown out there. I'd love to see A.J. Hinch. But, uh, <laughs> it's it's going to be interesting <laughs> and it's going to be fun, but I don't think they can take a guy who's never managed. Okay, great thoughts from you, General. Wait, I need two more picks really quick. Patriots at Dolphins. Do I even have to ask? Rams and Cowboys in Arlington. And I'm going to Cowboys and a lot of points being scored. I'll pick the Cowboys by seven and the Dolphins by at least ten. That's awesome. Okay, thank you very much, General. We appreciate the time. What do you have going on on your various platforms? I've got a column all about D'Amico's physical mentality and how you instill it when you can't beat up players and practice anymore the way coaches used to could. And I've got a Stroud versus Bryce Young column. It's on sportsradio610.com, and they're free, free, free. Thank you. Thank thank you, General. Uh, Johnny, one for you before the break here. You are going to interview Roger Goodell on Sunday right before kickoff. So we'll air that sometime around 11.15-ish on Sunday morning on the pregame show. And do you know what you're going to ask yet? How do you feel about interviewing the commissioner? This is going to be fun stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I've got a couple of of guys that I know well in the league office. This probably won't end up the interview, but just kind of chatting with him beforehand. You know, one of the things I'd like to know is, you know, what he kind of threw it out there about a London Super Bowl. I'd like to know if that has got more legs or if that was just something that he threw out there. Are they really seriously looking into it? Uh, logistically, would it work? You know, all those kind of things. I think I'd kind of like to know about the about the London Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably one thing. It was the first thing that came to mind in, in talking to him because I think I've got, what, five minutes? So that would be one thing I'll definitely talk to him mm-hmm. about. And then – I want to ask him his thoughts. Heck, he was up on stage with all the trades that were going on, uh, the big trade for Will Anderson Jr. during the draft. I want to get what his thoughts were when all oh, that yeah. was going down uh, because that's got to be pretty exciting for him. Like, hey, wait a second, what's all going down here? And then he's the one that obviously has to you know, tell that story up on stage. So I want to get his thoughts about what was going down for him when the Texans ended up making that move for Will Anderson Jr. I like that, too. Also, Houston Super Bowl, maybe. Hey, we have the College Football National Championship coming up here. We're going to host the World Cup. Another Super Bowl would be nice. It would be the fourth overall in Houston, third at NRG Stadium. Johnny, thanks so much. Uh, Actually, you're going to stick around. We're we're about to do more likely to happen. We're going to do more likely to happen. It's coming up next. It's going to be fun. Cannot wait. And don't forget, Texans. Carolina, Sunday, and Johnny interviewing Roger Goodell about 45 minutes-ish right before kickoff. It's going to be fun. It's Texans Radio. Texans Radio continues in a moment. Right back to it here on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. And as promised, time to play the game that everybody knows and loves so much. More likely to happen. It's more likely to happen, and it's been a while since we've played this one, and I know you are ready, Johnny. Of course, I am. I'm always ready for who's better. Let's yeah. go. All right, so, well, that's who's better. This oh. is more likely to happen. Oh, more likely to happen. Get okay. your game show straight I, yeah, here. I know, Jeopardy versus, Even you know, though they're basically luck, the yeah. same thing dressed up differently, yeah, really. but I won't 
admit that publicly. More All right. likely to happen. First one, more likely to win the NFC South. This is the division that the Texans are currently basically in right. because they have four games in a row in the NFC South. They've already played two. They have two more with Carolina and the Buccaneers after that. But more likely to win this NFC South division, Atlanta or Tampa Bay. And I'll give you a wild card, other. But I'm going to go Atlanta or Tampa Bay. Atlanta beat the Texans and then somehow lost to Washington, then somehow rebounded to look very good again, at least down the stretch, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Meanwhile, the Bucs play tonight against the Bills. Thoughts? I think it's the Falcons. Okay. And it's interesting because I had uh, I had James Palmer. I was thinking about this the other day. I had James Palmer on my uh, YouTube show earlier in the summer. We were talking about... He was taking trips throughout the NFL, and he, he's saying, well, I'm going to this place, I'm going to this place, obviously I'm coming to Houston, et cetera. I said, what place would you like to go that you're not going that intrigues you probably the most? Mm. And without missing a beat, he went Atlanta. He said, I think they're really interesting. And I, after playing them, I, I get it. I absolutely think that because Desmond Ritter can make them really, really difficult to stop. Desmond Ritter can also throw them back into a game. But – they're they're just really interesting. I mean, the other day they beat the Bucks. They got nothing out of Bijan Robinson. Yeah, nothing. And they beat the Bucks in Tampa, and really should have beaten them a little bit worse than they did. So, it's not because the Falcons are number number one in that division. I just feel like they can play solid football on both sides of the ball more consistently than the other teams in that division. I feel like the Bucks offense can kind of go into lulls. I feel like the Saints' offense can be all over the place. Uh, and I do feel like if you can throw it, I think you got an opportunity against the Saints. So I think the Falcons are probably more consistent on both sides of the ball longer than those other teams could be. So I'm going to go Falcons. I'm taking the Falcons. Falcons against the field, I'm taking the Falcons. Okay, I like that because the Falcons play the Titans this weekend, so I'm a big Falcons yes. fan this weekend. Big. And the Saints, by the way, play at Indianapolis, like we mentioned earlier, and I'm a big fan of the Saints in this situation. All right, next one, please. More likely to happen. All right, more likely to happen in this matchup Sunday between the Texans and the Panthers. The Texans get to 150 rushing yards mm. or Bryce Young throws for 300, which is more likely to happen. 150, which would be the season best rushing performance for the Texans or Bryce Young, a season best 300 yards for himself. There's a part of me that wants to lean towards Bryce Young 300 because I feel like the Texans will be ahead in the game. I mm. hope they're ahead in the game. And now Bryce has got to throw almost every down. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, all right, just kind of give yardage, but let the clock run and we'll get out of here. Mm. But he puts up a decent number. But the more that I watched the Panthers try to stop the run against the Dolphins in particular, the more I feel like this is the day to get 150 plus. Oh, this is this is that day. Now, they had a couple of moments and you got to block Derek Brown and make sure that Burns doesn't do his thing on the outside. But I feel like you can run against them. They don't tackle exceptionally well. They are banged up in the secondary. Big time banged up. Xavier Woods is back at practice a little bit. Von Bell is still out. I mean, it's it's all over the place in the secondary and they've already lost J.C. Horn and they don't tackle significantly well in the back in the defensive backfield. So I think you've got an opportunity if you occupy the front guys, get somebody to linebacker level, you've got an opportunity, uh, I think, to get to your best number this year, get to 150. So I'm going with that. I actually think both of them will happen, mm -hmm. but I think 
the 150 for the Texans will matter a little bit more. I shouldn't say that because I think if you get to 150, then Bryce is probably not going to have as many shots to get the 300. So let's go. More likely to happen, Texans, 150-plus. Well, the Panthers are 31st in the league in giving up rushing yardage. And you want more good news here? Also at the bottom, or near it anyway, the Denver Broncos are the last team in the league. They've given up 167 average on the ground. Ouch! The Bengals are at 29th in giving up yards on the ground at 142 per game. And the Jets are 26th, despite being so highly regarded defensively. And they're a good defense, Mm -hmm. scoring defense-wise. But they do give it up on the ground. So this is all good news as you face these teams in November and December. So that's very cool stuff. I like listening to that information. More likely to happen. Next one. More likely to finish second. You know what? Forget it. I'm going to get rid of that one. We're throwing that one out. Okay. More likely to happen. Deshaun Watson plays more than five games. Deshaun Watson plays less than five games. This is down the stretch this year with 11 games left on the Browns schedule. Of course, he's not playing this weekend. Five is a push. So you going at the line or over or under? This is tricky. It is tricky. We've talked we talked about this uh, on our way to practice, and not this question in particular, but what the heck's going on? Now, Deshaun met with the media on Thursday. Yep. And he said, Why would I want to play? I want to play. I just want to be right. And I, I get that. I get that that part. The one thing he mentioned was, What do you think I've been doing for the last couple of years? I've been I've been wanting to play. Well, really? You, you, you could have played. You could have played ago. at any point. All you had to do was say, I'm ready to play. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I'm going to go more than five because I do think this is the type of thing that, you know, he's heard this noise. Yeah. And I don't think he wants that in any way, shape or form. Look, I know he wants to be right. So let's say that he takes another couple weeks to get right. Here's the thing with a rotator cuff issue. Throwing a football, I think, is more difficult than throwing a baseball, the rotator cuff Why? issue. I, it's the same sort of motion, mm-hmm. but I just think, I mean, just physics, the baseball is smaller. I think it's probably less on your arm, whereas the football, especially NFL football, and I, we were tossing around the other day. After I was done, it's I just rock. went, wow, man. It's a rock. I, I could feel it on my shoulder, and I yeah. mean, I've got shoulder issues, too. Like, my right one just pops every time I move something. Like, I feel it right now. Point being, even if he takes a couple of weeks, two, three weeks to get ready, I don't know that he is going to be 100% like he wants to be. That's mm-hmm. like Troy Palomalu stuff. Like, Troy Palomalu was notorious for, you know what? I'm 99%. I'm not playing until I'm 100%. Mm-hmm. Which I, I understand to a degree, and I get that. Here's my thing, though. If he is out for the next two, three weeks, say, yeah. to really give it time to rest and be ready for the final stretch... P.J. Walker is going to do a good enough job that maybe they don't go away from him. And that's going to be what, what? They, that's what they did last year. Think about last year. They Before they played us, I can't remember what the record was, but before they played us, they were doing Jacoby okay. Brissett beat the Bucks. He made a fourth down throw to David Njoku. In the end zone, tied went to overtime. Brissett made another couple throws. They celebrated in the locker room. They were all rallying around Brissett. And then Stefanski goes to the press conference. Hey, would you think about playing Brissett? Nope, it's Deshaun's time. And it was just like the air came out of the balloon. Mm. If Walker goes in and wins a couple of games and they get to six and what I don't know, six and two. I do agree. If that happens. If that happens, yeah. 
this could be kind of tough to go back to the guy with the shoulder that issue gets interesting. that hasn't played well. Yeah, that's going to be like, you know what? You don't feel that well, do you? And he might not. Who knows? And maybe that what that does is just buy him more time, and that eventually yeah. gets to the under of five. But I'm going to go over. I think he is going to he's going to be itching once PJ starts continuing to play well. He's going to be itching to get back. And if PJ doesn't play well, then he's going to feel like, well, you need me now. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah we do yeah. for the Browns. We need you now. Um, and then he plays. I think it's going to be over. I don't think it's a lot over five, but I do think the next three four weeks, I do think he may may miss. But then he's got the final six. Um, to finish this thing for the Browns. All right, next more one. More likely to happen. All right, more likely to get more wins. Denver or Arizona? Now, Denver is a head start here at two, and Arizona only has one, and that was against the New York Giants. We remember that game. They came back to get it. Cardinals one and six entertaining the Ravens this weekend. But forget about this weekend. This is about long term here. The Broncos will host the Chiefs this weekend, but more likely to have more wins at the end of it. The Broncos are who they are. They beat the Packers last week, but with the Cardinals, here comes Kyler Murray. So we'll see if he can make a difference for them uh, in these final 11 games, 10 games of the season for the Cardinals. Okay, Broncos schedule the rest of the way out. Jeez. Chiefs, Bills. Yep. Vikings, Browns, Texans, Chargers, Lions, Patriots, Chargers, Raiders. I mean, there aren't too many gimmies on that. No, on no, that because list. the Raiders could go either way. We right. all know this. And the Cardinals outside of the Ravens, which is this weekend, Browns, Falcons, Texans, Rams, Steelers. This is no picnic either. No. Nope. When you look at a team Niners, like that. Bears, Eagles, Seahawks to finish. Eh. Bears. I'm going to go Broncos. I don't totally believe in it, but I do think they've got a better opportunity with Russell playing at least at a decent level to go to go mm-hmm. get them some wins. I mean, that was a it didn't look like much, but I think it was a big win for them to get against Green Bay. Um, I think the Cardinals now run into Ravens, then they go at the Browns outside, then they get the Falcons and then us. Um, it's a it's a tough stretch. You know, that's followed up by the Rams and the Steelers. It's a tough stretch for the Cardinals and they're I would say they're playing undermanned as it is. They're a gritty gutty little bunch, but I think it's going to be tough for them all the way out. I think it's going to be tough for Denver, Mm -hmm. but I do think Denver can get to five wins, maybe six. Cardinals maybe get to three. So I'm going to go Broncos with more wins at the end of the year. All right, let's get to one final one, and this involves going to campus here, which I know you love. More likely to happen. Okay. All right, more likely to cover this weekend. So the Cougars are at Kansas State, and they are, according to the website I have, 17.5-point underdogs, right? Okay. So would it be them, or Mm. would it be, say, the Texas A&M football I can't say Texas A&M Aggies because it's really not proper. Right. You say Texas Aggies, Texas, Aggies. Texas A&M football team. And they are 15.5-point favorites, yep. really, over South Carolina. And then you look at UT. They are 19-point favorites at home against BYU. So more likely to cover among those three squads. I think it's Houston. To cover that 17. To cover that 17. I mean, they just got to get inside that 17. And look, Kansas State is not... I mean, they put up some points last week. They uh, who they embarrassed last week. They em- oh TCU. Oh man, they embarrassed TCU. I mean, embarrassed TCU. Houston's playing better because they're getting better play from Donovan Smith. I think A and M and South Carolina. I think it's going to be a little bit closer because A and M has just hasn't played well offensively last right. uh, at all. Um, 
And so I do think that'll be close. I think A&M wins it, but I think South Carolina is going to get inside the 14. I think BYU can get inside the, the 19 or whatever it is against Texas. I think Houston is going to get inside that fort, that 17. Kansas State put on TCU. Houston's been really – I mean, they beat West Virginia. Had a game last week with Texas. I think that's the kind of game that spurs them on as opposed to Texas beating them twice, Okay, if that makes sense. So I think Houston – is going to go to Kansas State and give the Wildcats all they can handle. So I'm going to go with Houston to cover and get inside that 17. All right, Johnny. Thanks a lot. You got it, Mark. Thank you. All right, coming up, final thoughts on the program, plus Dr. Kenneth Padell, Houston Methodist Concussion Center. This is the foremost expert. This guy knows the latest tech involved in diagnosis, treatment, the rest of it. Very interesting stuff as it applies to some of your favorite players and maybe even your own family members. Who knows? Let's get to that next here on Texans Radio. All right, I don't want to go all medical here in the final segment, but I think we might, and some of this has to do with the injury report, which we will recap after our conversation about concussions, which is a subject that, look, I know this is not a hot talk radio topic, but this is big in the world of sports and beyond, really. And Dr. Kenneth Padell, one of the world's greatest experts on this, Houston Methodist Concussion Center, and doctor, let's talk about diagnosis, latest technology, self-reporting. I'm hearing more and more about that. Great to have you on. Oh, that's great, Mark. Yeah, they bring up two very good points. Uh, first has to do with the assessment. Just came out a couple months ago is uh, an update, and it's called the Sports Concussion Assessment Tool. And it's just updated about a year ago, but just released a few months ago. And it's a significant improvement in helping individuals um, evaluate for possible concussion. Uh, it's designed for professionals, those that are, are in the field, but it really highlights the multitude of problems that can occur in a concussion. Things like balance, dizziness, eye movement problems, neck problems, um, you know, the thinking stuff that everyone's familiar with. But it's, it's a real nice update on the assessment. And they also just created a version for office visits. So when you follow up with a doctor, and it's a nice way, it's a nice outline for the doctors to follow in looking at all the different parts that can um, be affected in a concussion. Doctor, what can you tell us about baselines? We hear a lot about this as you evaluate a player who might have concussion symptoms, compare him to his baseline data. How do you evaluate what baseline data are? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Baseline assessments were very, very popular um, a few years ago. And uh, I originally thought of the best way of looking at athletes that may have concussions. Are they at baseline? And, and we're actually getting away from that a little bit mm. because the tools now have such great normative data that we know what to compare them to. So tests compare an 18-year-old male with 5,000 18-year-olds that never had a concussion. So the, we're getting away from the baseline, but the, the idea is when we get them, when we're ready to return an athlete to play, we wanna make sure that they are at that baseline which typically means no symptoms that they've ever experienced before, that their thinking skills are back to normal, 
sleeping is back to normal. All of those things are at where they were before the concussion. Well, when you have someone suffering from a concussion, what is the recovery? Should somebody be around other people doing relatively normal things? Or how is it determined what they can or cannot do? Is that about what you can tolerate yourself? How do you evaluate and prescribe treatment? Good point. And a lot has to do with the type of pattern. Um, I, I believe that individuals have a signature to their concussion. So therefore, the treatment plan is tailored to the problems that that person is experiencing. The point that you do bring up that um, I think is is becoming a little bit more um, acknowledged in the, in, and used in the um, profession is after about 48, probably 72 hours, we start to get the patient moving again. A uh, little bit of physical activity, a little bit of cognitive activity. Um, I, I like to use the, the uh, phrase Goldilocks approach to all of this, not too little and not too much activity. And activity could be a three to five minute walk or it could be reading for five minutes. What we try to do there is to make sure that their symptoms don't get worse. If the activity makes the symptoms worse, we say stop, back it down, and slowly and gradually increase over time. What we're finding is this approach of gradually increasing activity helps us recover faster from the concussion. Lack of activity, as you know, is never good for health, and, and it's not good for the concussion either. So this whole idea of being in a dark room until your symptoms go away, uh-uh, we don't do that anymore. It's this gradual increase of activity. How are things going at the concussion center? Anything you can share with us that you're excited about? Anything new? Anything you're working on? We're excited about a couple of things at the concussion center. Um, we will be monitoring um, patients that come into use the Methodists for concussions. We um, have a way of using text messaging to have to follow patients acutely after a concussion. Uh, for example, if they walked into one of our urgent cares or emergency rooms and were diagnosed with a concussion, they would be offered the opportunity to enroll in this program. And what we're going to do is closely monitor their symptoms uh, and their problems and offer them advice for treatment, offer them visits with any of our 22 doctors that see concussions throughout Houston Methodist. So we'll be able to reach out to these individuals in in the public. And the reason that's important is because more recent research has shown that up to 60, 70% of individuals that sustain a brain injury or concussions don't follow up with doctors, yet 70% still have symptoms um, weeks or months after that. So this is an opportunity for us to help the public recover from their concussions quicker. Great information as always, doctor. We really appreciate the time. Uh, thank you very much for having me. That's Dr. Kenneth Pidell of the Houston Methodist Concussion Center. For more information, log on to HoustonMethodist.org, the official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. All right, injury report. Let's get to it. For the Texans, the big one, as we mentioned earlier, Titus Howard, knee and hand limited. Now, limited sounds good, 
But the fact that he dropped down from full yesterday to limited and knee was not on the injury report yesterday, so you really don't know what's up here. But let's hope for the very best for Titus going into Sunday at Carolina. Sheldon Rankins did participate on a limited basis today that was upgraded from DNP that did not participate yesterday. And Robert Woods still out with a foot. We'll see what happens with him. There are reports that he won't play, but those are reports. We will listen to the important thing. That would be the inactives that come out 1030 on Sunday morning kickoff is at noon. For the Panthers, let's see. Brian Burns shows up on the injury report today. Elbow limited, so we'll see what happens with him. Uh, no other real surprises here. Miles Sanders full go with the shoulder injury as they try to get their ground game going against the Texans. Good luck with that. I'm kidding. I don't want them to have any luck with that. It's going to be fun to see the Texans try to hold the opponent below 100 rushing yards for the third consecutive week. As we mentioned, kickoff at noon. Don't forget, we'll have another show tomorrow at 6. We've got Texans Extra Points Saturday night, 1035, ABC 13, also on YouTube and Texans 360. Those are good shows you should be watching every week. Have a great night, everyone. Thank you, Johnny Harris, John McClain. Thank you, Jace, for producing. Go Texans!